Amen. See, sometimes we're completely, you know, we're unaware maybe how God's working in other people's hearts. And I wanted to let you know God's working in people's hearts. He's been working in hearts. And uh, I'm just excited about what God's doing in our hearts. I pray God's working in each of our hearts. And we're getting nearer to the Lord, getting more aware of how maybe some things are just not right. And we say, Lord, help me to get them right. I'm going to walk in truth. Truth applied makes us thrive. It gets a smile on our face because God gives us victory. And uh, truth reversed brings a curse. And, and my friends, I think America's living under the curse. Uh, and I think the church in America is living under the curse because we have the truth and the information, but very little application. Um, we see the willful removal of God, and that's happening in our society. America is a Christian nation. It was founded on Christian principles. But those have been erased, and we get upset because they're being erased, but they got erased a long time ago in the church. And all God's people said... And that was kind of weak, all right? Uh, we're unaware sometimes about how the, the truth has left our hearts. And, and God says, I want you to keep the truth in your hearts, uh, not just, oh, society shouldn't do this. No, God says, I want you to do. Uh, I want you to grow and thrive. Last week, we looked at inexcusable, and, and God doesn't want us to ever have an excuse. In parenting, right, we deal with excuses. Why did you do that? Because Lucy pushed me, right? I mean, it's always somebody else's fault. And God says, it's my fault. God says, take responsibility for your actions. Amen? Uh, let's jump on in verse 11 this morning. And uh, let's look at the nat natural obedience. Natural obedience. This is great. Uh, sometimes we wonder, how can I ever fulfill the will of God in my life? Uh, look at Romans chapter 2, verse 11. For there is no respect of persons with God. I'm so glad about that. God doesn't care if you're wealthy or if you're poor. He just wants a sincere and honest and transparent heart. For as many as have sinned without the law shall perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Um, that right there is so deep. All right, verse 12. Verse 12 is the key to the next uh, 12 verses, all right? Uh, For as many as have sinned without the law shall perish without law, and as many as has have, uh, have sinned in the law, shall be judged by the law. Say, wow, what does that mean? I tell you, I love studying this passage this week because it just, it just opens up. God continues to open up, and it just clarifies so much in life. Uh, when you see the Word of God and just let God open up His Word, you say, Pastor, how do I get in the Word? How do I understand the Word of God? Uh, let me give you some help. Uh, the natural man understandeth not the things of the Spirit of God. I encourage you, if you struggle understanding the Word of God, sign on to blueletterbible.org and, and look in there. You can do word studies. You can understand the Word. A lot of people say, don't study out the words. No, you ought to study out the Word of God. Uh, it was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Greek. And you ought to study it out and uh, study to show thyself approved unto God. And so uh, you say, well, do I have to read and understand the Hebrew and Greek? No, but there's word studies and you can look. And that word you'll see right there uh, has, there's so much depth. And often the Hebrew and Greek words have a lot more more meaning than we ever will comprehend and understand. And uh, if you like verbs and you're, you were maybe a teacher, you can look into that and you can dig in. You say, wow, there's so much meat here. There's so much truth. There's so much light. The entrance of thy word giveth light. I challenge you, dig deeper in the word of God. There's great commentaries on the word of God. You'll find, though, 
that often the commentaries will skip over areas that are hard to understand because they didn't understand it either, okay? And so there's some parts of the Bible we may never fully understand. And uh, you say, well, what does that mean? Well, in heaven, the Lord will explain that. Uh, but don't get hung up on what you don't understand. Uh, there's so much that we can understand, and we need to focus on seeking to grow with what we do understand, and God will show us the other part later. Uh, he says... For not, verse 13, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. So he says, it's not because you just heard it. He says, it's because you do it. Verse 14, for when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Verse 14 is where we get our title this morning. Natural obedience. Natural obedience. As I minister around the community, I will often meet people who are uh, living in sin, and they will openly tell me they're living in sin, all right? There'll be somebody's not in church. They'll come to me, and I'll just, I'll just be talking with them, doing business with them or something. They'll say, you know what? I'm doing this, but I know it's not right. How do they know that? Because God gave them a conscience, Amen. And sometimes we get so much information, we say, well, we can explain it away. God says, no, I gave you a conscience. And uh, people will tell me they know. Now, they know they shouldn't do these things. And they'll explain. And I'll say, you know what, friend, I came because I care about you. And I will look over what they're doing, okay? Because that's not the real issue. And I'll deal with the spiritual issue, the heart. They know they're not supposed to be, whatever it is, living together, living a life of homosexuality. Uh, involved in drunkenness. They know these things. They know they ought to be in the Word of God. They ought to be in the house of God. They know these things. Uh, but they know they ought to be faithful to their wife. They know these things, but often that's not the root problem. It's a heart issue. And they'll say, you know what? I know my conscience isn't right. My conscience is telling me this isn't right. He says the Gentiles, those who have not grown up around the Word of God, those who were not Jewish by nature, those who did not have the law of Moses in their hands, in their own language, yet they knew by nature to do what was right. And Paul goes on and says, These having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now he goes on, and, and uh, the best way to describe the next few verses is Paul roasts the Jews, okay? He roasts them, all right? He just skins them bare. Here, verse 17. Behold, he says, thou art called a Jew. Now, none of us, I believe in the room, are full Jewish descent, all right? So don't, don't feel offended by this. We can make a big application, but don't get offended. Right? But thou art called a Jew, he says, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will. And approvest the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law. And thou art confident. Look at that word. Confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth of the law. Thou that teachest another. Teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest to a man shall not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest to a man shall not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? 
Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest boast of the law, through the breaking of the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles, though uh, through you, as it is written. So we look at this text and you say, what else is going on here? Focus on the big portion of the passage. Focus on the theme. God's telling them, there's these who have the truth and don't do it. And there's others who don't have the truth and do it. And he says, which are you? He's just asking them a question. Which are you? What's the purpose of a Bible college or Bible institute? Anybody help me? What's the purpose of a Bible college or Bible institute? Anybody know? What do you think? Train people in the ministry. Any other thoughts? Amen. Okay. So develop a godly worldview, train people for the ministry. Now, uh, the college I went to, uh, West Coast Baptist College, has a theme, and it's called uh, the, the, the theme and the purpose of the college is training laborers for his harvest. Training laborers for his harvest. Now, I can look around at the college students I went with, and I can focus on them and what they are or are not doing, but that's not the calling of God on my life. I must be a laborer for his harvest, all right? You got to understand that. And so God holds us responsible for the information we have. And often, we can have great information. We can have graduated from a Bible institute, but yet not be doing the work of God. Uh, when my college professors call me, you know what they ask me about? They say, so Daniel, how many people have you led to Christ? And look, the North is something else, all right? But there's been a lot of people that have trusted Christ. Some have grown, some have left, but... Uh, the people have trusted Christ in the prison. People have trusted Christ in the church. And uh, it's a greater return than 10 in terms of a greater return than 10% uh, that do seek and grow. Uh, and you say, well, what's the goal? They give me fresh ideas on how to reach souls for his harvest. Because the plan of God is to reach souls. And I love it. They, when, they, when they call me, they do not ask about the gossip train. They just say, what are you doing to reach new people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friend, uh, the more education you have in the word of God ought to make you be able to relate better to people, reach more people. And if that's not the case, uh, it might be just information, right? We got more information. Information without application simply leads to self-confidence. Self-confidence. Remember what he said in verse uh, 17? He says, Behold, thou art called a Jew and restest in the law and makest thy boast of God. You say... I'm a Jew, I go to the synagogue, I only walk so many steps on Sunday, so because of that I'm righteous, God says, you missed it by a mile. See, nobody wants to hear what we have to say until we're willing to live what we believe. We're all tempted to be double-minded, but God is not double-minded. He is level-headed, he is clear, he is concise, and he's all-knowing. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? He's clear and concise. Natural obedience. This picture is of the natural bridge in Virginia. My wife and I have been there. And uh, we went there before we got married, or when, after we got married. Um, on our way coming back, we had just been married a few months. We went there in July of 2016. We were married in April. And uh, when we got there, we looked at this natural bridge. And we had traveled across the entire United States from California. My wife had a class out there. And we came and saw this beautiful site. Uh, this bridge cut out of the rock by the water. I believe it happened during the flood. And the road to access this place goes over the top, but you can't see it. They got a big old fence, so you have to pay 25 bucks to go look at this place, okay? Uh, they figured it out. And the natural bridge is beautiful. People hike, and you can hike all the way back there, and there's a nice waterfall way back in there. 
It's a natural bridge. Men spend millions of dollars building bridges to go places. God built this one with his own hands. Sometimes we look at the natural things and we say there's no way possible. God says there is because I gave you a conscience. Natural obedience. They do by nature the things in the law. Mm. Let's look on. James 1, I want you to uh, jot this reference down. And uh, some of you uh, can turn rapidly in your Bible to things, but I want you to see this because it relates to our text, and I don't want you to get distracted, all right? Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, the Bible says, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Uh, too often we're focused on the mode in which we receive the truth, Okay. We get so hung up on the way in which the truth comes in that we miss the truth. And the Bible says we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, you, I love the old King James wording here because it, it is just absolutely uh, cool. All right? Filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. You say, what does superfluity of naughtiness mean? Anybody can understand that, my friend? It means everything to do that's naughty, all right? It's deep, it's wicked, anything, anything, anything that has to do with it, filthiness, anything that's dirty, God says get away from it, anything that's a little bit naughty, anything that's not pleasing to God, uh, anything that's full of it, he says get away from it, run from it, don't be around it, and he says instead receive with meekness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. This text is parallel to our text in Romans in chapter 2. And God says, do not be, uh, he says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Let's, let's progress on and, and look at this text this morning. There's two uh, specific types of people described in this text and then there's a great application for us. First, there's the hearer. In verse 13, we see the hearer. He evaluates the information. I encourage you, uh, if you're taking notes, you might get overwhelmed with some of the things, quotes and things today. Uh, don't get overwhelmed with it. Uh, write down what God speaks to you about and the rest of it. Just uh, You can watch the video afterwards if you'd like. But uh, just try to keep focused on, Lord, what do you want me to see today? What do you want me to, how do you want me to grow? Uh, what do you want our church to do moving forward? The hearer evaluates information. Now, now if, you, if you've been saved for a while, you ought to be able to evaluate information. That's a good thing. Uh, but the hearer gets so hung up on hearing new information that they go out on a quest for new information. All right? They live on this quest for new information, but no application. Okay? So I want new information. I want some new information. I want to understand the Bible better. Give me some new information. Preach some more sermons to me, but there's no application. Okay? There's got to be the application before we'll grow. So we don't need to just hear the truth, we need to apply the truth. That's why we're starting Bible studies, okay? Uh, what, you what do you desire to do today? Would you like more information about the Bible? Or do you want to live differently this week because you heard the truth? All right? Now, the way we walk into the house of God, we ought to come in and say, Lord, would you help me to live differently? That hurts. And uh, naturally, we want, uh, we want what is easy to hear. Um, I... Uh, heard recently of a church, and many, many churches in the north have recently lost their pastors, and, and uh, the approach the head deacon of the church took was this. Uh, no, let's just find an online church that we're comfortable with, and we'll watch that. All right? That we're comfortable with. I listen to those words, comfortable with. Let's find a church that we're comfortable with. <laughs> if, if we're so focused on don't change anything, 
Give me somebody that's comfortable. I want what's comfortable. I, I don't want to, I don't like change. But my friend, if I don't change, I'm never going to be able to reach those around me, okay? And so God wants me to continually be changed by his word, be renewed in the spirit of my mind. Isn't that what he says? The hearer evaluates information. You say that sounds really good. Um, think of a map, okay? We can get a map. We can see a map. We can hold a map. We can stick a map in our car door. But if we do not pull it out and look at it and understand where we are and where we need to go, the map is useless. You can have photographic memory and you can memorize the entire map. But if you don't know how to apply the map to your current situation, you're lost. And it's the same with the truth of God's Word. We can understand vast portions of Scripture. We can memorize great portions of Scripture. But if we don't know how to apply it to our life right now, uh, it's not really very useful for us. It's just information. Look in verse uh, 17, speaking of the hearer, he says, Thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law. Look in verse 18, because they've heard. He says, And knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent. So we can discern what's good and what's evil. That's great. Want to apply this directly to us today? Just say, you know what? Uh, the Jews did this. Uh, look, we can be confident too. He says, Thou art confident. Thou thyself art a guide of the blind and a light to them which are in darkness, instructor of the foolish and a teacher of babes. Now look, if we're not careful, we can have the philosophy and we say, you know what? If God sends somebody into our life, any human being, we can say, I'm going to teach him. I'm going to teach him. God sends somebody and they need to learn from me. Uh-uh. Most of the people God sent in my life have taught me things, all right? Most of the new people God sends to our church teach me things. And, and every one of us ought to have that heart and attitude. Uh, let's learn. Let's grow. Uh, let's continue to grow. God sends new people to help us to grow, to change. And they have different perspectives than we do. And that's a good thing. And we ought to say, Lord, help me to not just hear, but help me to apply it and be a doer. All right, so the hearer. What, is the, what does the hearer do? The devil doesn't care how much biblical information we stuff in our heads as long as we don't use it. All right? Look, the devil wants you to have information without application. He loves it. The devil thrives on this. Okay? Um, you may be wondering, I think the lost wonder this a lot. They say, uh, why is it that the, inside the church, uh, the relational breakdown is the same as outside of the church? They say, why is it that inside the church, uh, the families and their children dealing with the same problems, not finding the same solutions, and it's the same issues that are happening in the church as outside of the church, and there's no solutions? And the world looks at it and says, well, why do we want that faith? It's because, see, the devil doesn't care how much information we stuff in our heads as long as we don't use it. Uh, he doesn't care if you have a Bible in your home. He doesn't care if you even read it as long as we don't apply it. Amen? And uh, that is a great danger. He doesn't care if you go to Bible-believing church as long as you don't change. He doesn't care. All right? Because we can go to church, and then we can feel good about ourselves, and then we missed it. Okay? So the devil doesn't care how much information we stuff in our heads. Uh, we don't need to make Christ more attractive. We need to stop making him unattractive. Too often we're so focused on making Christ attractive uh, and we just need to stop making him unattractive. Um, I'm very conscious, mentally conscious, when, I, when I'm going out door to door about the way my face looks, the way I interact with the person beside me when I'm walking up to the door, because my friend... People are watching. And if I have a, if I'm kind of whispering and having a little, and they see that, or if I have a, a frown on my face and they see that, 
Um, it does affect the way they perceive me before they ever meet me. You just got to understand, people are very observant. And often we're unaware of how we come across to others. And we need to stop making Christ unattractive. And uh, that is a tremendous truth. And I think we ought to, ought to apply it uh, and ask God, Lord, help me. Something the Lord's helped me with this year. Parents, I want you to look at this right here. This illustration, look at all those ping pong balls. Isn't that a lot of ping pong balls right there? And visual illustrations help us, okay? Those ping pong balls are awesome. That whole thing is full of them. And often we think, you know, my children, what really changes them and helps them is what they hear in church. That is true. But they have 3,000 hours a week with us in our homes, and they got about 40 hours, and in most cases way less than that, in church. And we can't rely on church to be the only place they are taught God's Word. Often, and many times people have come to me and they say, you know what, the reason my child uh, did what XYZ is because of what happened in church. They'll name one incident. And I'm like, really? That's what messed them up. Uh, in home, maybe there was a little bit of something else. There was a little bit of bitterness about that incident that got magnified over those 3,000 hours during the week, amen? And that one little tiny incident got blown way out of proportion. And what did the child remember? The bitterness instead of the truth they received. It's really easy to blame the wrong source. They get more from us and they watch us. Uh, my children are watching me like a hawk, okay? And so uh, we have to understand we are the greatest influence on our kids. Uh, we are the greatest influence. Lord, help me to be a great influence. I want them to learn the truth from God's word. The greatest hindrance to the work of God is never the enemy without, but the enemy within my own heart. Uh, it's our will, our will, our wanter. Um, if we say, I can't, then we can, we can really miss it up. And uh, remember the people of God, millions of them going across, they're getting ready to go in the promised land. They're on a short-term journey. God says, you can go right on in. They send out the 12 spies, and what happens? Just 10 men mess up the whole thing. They mess up the whole operation, right? They come back and they see everything. They say, those giants are so big. It's so impossible to build this place. We can't do it. We can't conquer it. And two men are full of faith. But the whole congregation starts crying and weeping. And God says, all right. 40 years of circles, guys, congratulations, you just failed that test. Their own heart got far from God. The two men were full of faith, but they got punished. And you know what? In the work of God, we can allow this to happen in our family, in our home. Uh, we can get in a cycle. That's because it's really within. We need, Lord, help me within. All right? Uh, secondly, this morning, get on to the, to the happier part right here. All right? Um, the, the doer. Okay, we see the hearer, but now let's see the doer. The doer finds solutions. I love uh, people that find solutions. It is incredible, people that find solutions. And uh, a friend of mine uh, is a member of a rather large uh, church, and uh, he got so encouraged because they got a new song leader recently. Now, often we focus on the leaders, and uh, we get distracted, but he got so encouraged. And you know what that song leader did? That song leader has a girlfriend a fiancé who's a student at a local college. You know what she does? She builds relationships with people at college. A few weeks ago, they've only been, he's only been there for a couple of months. He started during COVID. This song leader started a Bible study in his apartment. This song leader is the reason church attendance in the church of 300 is increasing. Is because the song leader is having an in-home Bible study him and his girlfriend are having an in-home Bible study with these people. 
you say, what? You see, sometimes we get so focused up on the mode and the methods and all these things. This guy's got a vision to try to reach people, and he's bringing young people into church because he's building relationships. And his fiance has a burden on the college campus, and she's got a good spirit. And these young people want to be around them in their home, and then they come to church with them. And it's a beautiful thing. When he shared that with me just uh, this week when I called him, it was so encouraging and refreshing. See, little things can make a big difference. And often we look at you know, leaders and we say they need to be the ones that reach people. They should, and we seek to. But also we ought to say, Lord, how can I do it too? Uh, Lord, how can I find a solution? I don't want to uh, just uh, watch. I want to participate, find solutions. Um, the doer lives focused on making a difference, uh, lives focused on making a difference, working around the roadblocks, uh, determined to live with a clear conscience. Uh, this week, I was driving down a little road around here, and the power trucks, I don't know why they did this, but they decided to put their trucks so close that visually walking up to it, driving up to it, I didn't think I was going to be able to get through, and I was going to be late. And I don't like being late. And I still had about six minutes on the clock. And I said, I don't want to be late for this appointment. And here I am trying to drive through this place. And uh, the power guy went like this and stayed me through. And, and I'm pretty good with spaces. Okay, I can drive big rigs. But uh, not big, not big. Bigger, bigger trucks and big, big trailers and things. I'm very comfortable with that. But I was driving this little tiny car. And I was not comfortable driving through that space. But he signaled me through. So I figured you might, you might as well go. And so I let it go, all right? And I drove through there, and the, the, the outriggers were on those power trucks, and those things were so close, the tires were touching on both sides. You know what? You know what? Sometimes we look at the roadblocks, and we say, I can't do it. And we're so focused on the big power trucks in the way, and I had to look at just the man. He was, he was going, he was going, and he was walking, he was watching. I just drove right through. Often we're not willing to have the faith to go through. We get hung up on the roadblock, and God says, I've opened the door. Go through it. Do my will. Uh, the doer lives focused on making a difference, determined to live with a clear conscience. The Jews followed a lot of laws. They respected the Sabbath. They even were faithful to the synagogue. But they did not keep the whole law. They had added extra rules to become more holy. Jesus says they were just white sepulchers. This is something that uh, I've been thinking about a lot, and I think it'll help us today. Churches grow when the holy, and I, I'm speaking to myself here too, okay, when the holy get aware of how unholy they've become, and how comfortable they have become, with not allowing Jesus to change our minds to be like his. Don't try to write that whole thing down, okay? Just get the big picture. Lord, help me not be too comfortable helping recognize there's a few areas I need to change. Amen? Amen? All right? All right? We become comfortable uh, with not allowing Jesus to change our minds. Isn't it easy to get comfortable with not changing? Comfortable with not changing. He says in verse 19, Thou art confident that thou thyself art a guideline and a light to them which are in darkness. He says to these Jewish people who know all the information, he says, you've missed it by a hundred miles. He says, you think you're a teacher and you don't even know how to live out the basic laws of God. 
Ten Commandments. If you don't understand the greatest, greatest love of God, 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 you're not loving love any others. You're not loving your neighbor. Jesus, you're missing it. Missing it. Okay, become comfortable being unchanged. Comfortable being unchanged. Um, um, we are often blind to the obvious. We are often blind to the obvious. God uses people to awaken our consciousness. I think God forgives through the answers he's used in the past to awaken our minds of the obvious. This year, we had your fancy fans to our church. church. Uh, I, 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 uh, I think you can learn and grow from anybody, anybody if you want to. And, and, and Lord, just, Lord just prompted me to ask, me to ask questions, questions. I asked ask these advice to advice and things. things. He gave me the advice, all of his advice, and we are where we are today. People are growing today because of all of these advice. advice. Is that right? Is that right? And, and sometimes, and sometimes you have really to take counsel counsel people who are younger than you. Um, Seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I don't, I don't believe in praying recited prayers. Okay? 
okay? And, and uh, I encourage you, if you're part of an organization, church, anything that prays, recite his prayers, think biblically, that's, that's something Jesus said don't do, all right? The secret life involves a heart that seeks after God and a heart that prays in secret to the God that hears in secret and it changes our life, the secret life. Praying and giving are both components of the secret life. Two things that we struggle as Christians doing right there, praying and giving. God sees the motive behind what we do. And that's why he says, please, go pray in secret. He says, by the way, he says, give in secret too. He sees the faith. He sees the faith. Some may give to control, but the pure in heart gives for souls. No strings attached. No control. Praying and giving are both components of the secret life. Praying and giving are both components of the secret life. I challenge you, Lord, help me. Like saying, Lord, help me to just live this way, a secret life. The doer of the word does a lot of what he does in secret. And I'm so thankful that God sees what happens in secret. Because a lot of times I get discouraged. And then I remember that God saw. And then I remember that God saw. My friends, we've got to live a life recognizing that God sees. Um, often we do it for the praise of men. And... Uh, my father-in-law says, this is what you should do. If somebody wants attention, you ought to give it to them because all they're going to get is a reward in this life, okay? He's been a pastor for 25 years. He says, if somebody wants attention, they're doing something for attention, just let them have it. Give them all the attention. And then he says, they're all they're going to get a reward is, is in this life. It's often easy to live, th- live for life simply so that other people see what we're doing. God says, no, I want you to, I want you to live a secret life. A doer of the word has a heart that's in secret. Um... A life that's living pure before God. In closing, uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul describes a, a thorn in the flesh. And we heard a great message on this men a few weeks ago. Uh, and it helped me. It helped me. Paul describes this thorn in the flesh that he experienced. And, and we've wondered, what is that? And the truth is, we don't know. Okay? Uh, some people say it's a health problem. And it might have been. Some people say it was some other issue he dealt with. I don't know. But uh, I do think it could be this, and it helped me personally when I saw this. Um, The Bible says it was a messenger of Satan sent to torment me. A messenger of Satan. I personally believe that might have been a person who was Paul's greatest source of discouragement. A person. Somebody who continually just, man, they wanted to, they stuck a knife in Paul. Uh, Paul had a lot of issues with people he dealt with. Uh, God might have given you a thorn in your flesh, and I tell you, His grace is always sufficient. His grace is always sufficient. He asks us to be a doer of the Word, even if we've got a thorn in our side like Paul did. Let's be honest, we may have some little areas in our life where we've heard the Word, but we're not doing the Word. And God says, don't live that way. He says, I want you to live instead like this. He says, don't erase the truth. Because if the truth is erased... um, if the truth is erased from society, it's a disastrous thing. He says, instead, don't just hear it. He says, do it. Uh, do it. And uh, don't hear it. Do it. Too often we're so focused on what we hear. We evaluate everything we hear. Um, but he says, I want you to focus on, are you doing what you've heard? Uh, anytime we hear the word of God, we can grow and be helped. And uh, I've heard some, some great things that helped me. You know... 
we ought to look, even this week, some people shared some things with me that were so refreshing and encouraging. I like seeing different people's perspectives and uh, the way that God illuminates people's minds through the Word of God. I pray that that's your heart and your desire. Uh, don't go to critique. Instead, say, Lord, what do you want me to change? Lord, help me to grow. I want to become a greater doer of the Word of God. He says they were confident that they were a leader of the blind. He says, nope, the opposite's true. He says, instead of becoming a leader of the blind, he says, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. He says, you know what? The Gentiles are looking at you Jewish people and they're saying, you know what? Y'all don't have the real thing. You got the truth, but no life. He says, forget it. You've taken and blasphemed the name of God. Now, we ought, we ought to, as a Christian, you ought to have a heart that says, you know what? If somebody curses God, it ought to bother you. Now, too often we're hung up on that. We say, well, they cursed God. They live in this way. And God says... Uh, if you have the information and don't live it out, that's a greater sin. That's a greater sin. And so the question we ought to ask ourselves today, Lord, am I glorifying you in every corner of my life? In my body, in my spirit, in my soul, in my thoughts and my actions? Lord, is the meditation of my heart pleasing in your sight? I love Psalms. David prays that. Lord, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let's stand for prayer and ask God to help us with this. Lord, help me not to just hear the truth, but to let you put the truth into action in my life. Lord, help me not to just hear the truth, but to put that truth into action in my life. If you would, I invite you to pray along with me that phrase of commitment Lord, help me not to hear, not just to hear, but to put the truth in action in my life. If you're comfortable praying that with me, and that's your heart this morning, would you pray out loud with me to the Lord, to the God that hears as a group? Let's pray together. Lord, help me. Lord, help me not to just hear, but to put the truth into action in my life. I love the song, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee. As we stand here before God, that I'll be pr Lord, just help me to be consecrated to you. I don't want to just hear it. Those others, without the word of God, are sometimes doing naturally what they ought to do. Help me to live like you, ought, like you want me to live. Help me to do what I ought to do. Lord, show me. Lord, show me what I should do. That ought to be our prayer today. Lord, show me. Lord, guide me. Lord, lead me. Lord, I just want to walk with you. I want to have a heart of humility. And my friend, if you don't know him, put your faith in Christ today. The greatest joy is to see a soul saved and decide to walk in faith with him today. As our heads are bowed, as our eyes are closed, let's take a moment with the Lord. As the piano begins to play, would you do business with God this morning? Would you take a moment to seek his face? To turn from anything in your life that is displeasing the Lord and say, Lord, cleanse me, purify me. Let's take a moment with the Lord right now and ask Him to help us in this day.
Would you play that first verse again? Take my life. 